Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and we are on hour two of the marathon known as the resident uh uh, interviews for CTP. Uh, if you remember from our last episode with Stephen, uh, I uh, I decided just to get this done all in one shot. Four hours of podcasting uh, uh, for uh, for me, but that's okay. I like to talk. Uh, but with me today uh, is a, a a new friend and a good friend uh, and uh, one of our residents at CTP, uh, Blake. What up, Blake? What's up, man? I'm glad you're here, man. Glad you're here. Now. Blake, you are uh, perpetuating, without even realizing it, a uh, a uh, a bad rule for the Coffee and Conversation podcast. You know, this is about drinking coffee and having conversation. And you, like so many other people who have gone on my podcast, didn't bring coffee or a cup. I have coffee for you, but you didn't bring a cup because we're not on site. You instead brought the disgustingness of a energy drink. Uh, called Venom, and I just I just want to I just want to read the top for our audience because they can't see this Death Adder, Death Adder. All right, now I don't know about you, but why are you drinking something called Death Adder? I learned from a, a good friend of mine not long ago that uh, you never want to turn down someone else's blessing. <laughs> Somebody blessed me with the energy drink, so I took it, and I figured, you know, it's God trying to tell me to drink it. Okay, first off, it is not fair. <laughs> I can't deny another man's blessing. <laughs> it's not fair to use my own words against me, all right? Uh, but fair, fair, fair. Well, look, uh, we have a customary tradition here on the podcast called The First Sip. All right, where we take what we are drinking. I have switched from my latte over to a French press. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be wired for sound by the time our last podcast happens for these next four hours. So, sir, cheers. Cheers. All right, let's take our first sip. Mm, that is good. As always, thank you to Hoosier Warrior Coffee for uh, providing the coffee for the podcast. We are really excited to be partners with uh, Alan and Courtney. Anyway, how was your death drink? Well, was a lot of sugar and it tastes a lot. Of <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Well, let's let's get into uh, let's get into the podcast uh, as a refresher for those who are listening. Uh, this is the first episode you're picking up on. You, you're missing um, a whole lot of great interviews from the previous episodes of this season. But we are talking about rehab. We're talking about addiction recovery. We're talking about uh, how how God can take somebody in the throes of addiction and help them get out of it and. And Blake, you are no stranger to that story, am I right? Yep. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Let, let's let's talk. You know, and again, um, and I've said this before to other people. Whatever you're comfortable with sharing, all right. I I don't want you to feel like you have to divulge things that you're that are private to you, that are sensitive to you. You know. Um, so uh, whatever you're willing to share, tell me how you grew up. And uh, the role that faith played in your life, and 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 then you know, just walk right into that. How did you get into the addiction that uh, that you struggled with? So I had a pretty attentive upbringing. You know, half my family was good. 
half my family was bad. Okay. And, define uh, define good and bad to you, in well, your terms. There was a lot of people in my family that went to church or worked their jobs, paid their bills, okay, took care of their kids. But then there's another half of my family that was just soaked up in drug addiction or alcohol or whatever it was. That there's two different sides of my family. There's the good and the bad. And now I'm trying to find that in between where I can just get away from everything that's brung me down over the years. But I had a good, attentive upbringing. And whatever my heart desired, my parents got it for me. Mm, okay. So just growing up was really good. But then when I became a teenager, I started dabbling in marijuana and alcohol. Over the years, it progressed into pills, LSD, and ecstasy, and then I think I fell in love with a girl, I had a kid, and when I thought everything was just getting better, man, at the height of my life, when I was like 17 or 18, I got addicted to spice. Okay, now I was smoking on probation so I could pass drug tests. Alright, so for those who are uneducated, what is spice? Uh, it's a chemical compound that they spray on leaves like oregano or marshmallow leaf stuff like that they spray it on there and uh when you smoke it it gets you out of this world it's an out of body experience i always felt like mm -hmm. and uh it's just a substitute basically for marijuana so that way when you was taking drug tests you could pass them okay there was people that was smoking it just because they liked the high and eventually yeah. that's what mine became okay so highly addictive and also highly dangerous right i mean yeah. all drugs are for the record but this one more so because it was a chemical thing yeah yeah okay um so all right there's one part of your your story before we continue on that i i want to ask you about something that you said you you talked about how um you know, you started dabbling in marijuana and alcohol, and, and right now our country is kind of in this debate about the, um, you know, the legitimacy of legalizing marijuana, right? Um, and, and of course, you know, I don't know how you grew up. How old are you? I'm 26. 26. Okay, so I don't know how this was for you growing up, uh, but for me growing up, uh, you know uh, the gateway drug marijuana be calling the gateway drug you know because you start with marijuana and you go you, you know and it takes you to other places um, what are your thoughts on that because this is a common this is a common thing I hear in a lot of stories is that I started small with marijuana or alcohol but then it grew into other things is it is it really the gateway drug that people claim it is or is it something else do you think I think it all depends on the individual me Personally, I have an addictive personality. Yes, right. So that can lead marijuana into being a gateway drug where there's other people that I know of in my life, family members, that are just potheads. They just smoke weed and it doesn't affect them to where they go out and they're like, I'm going to look for the next high. I was always looking for the next high because the adrenaline rush mm -hmm. that I also had from it. I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain but I know for me it was a gateway drug. For other people, I've seen it where it's not. Yeah. Marijuana does have pros. It's got a lot of cons too, depending on the person that is taking it in. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there, and, and you know, I, I agree because you and I share that same addictive personality. I think, um, and uh, I think it's very true 
that it is it's a personality trait rather than you know it's not marijuana itself it's the person taking the marijuana uh you know because once the marijuana no longer starts no longer gives you the high that you're seeking you start moving on to harder stuff yeah and then harder stuff and then harder stuff and then harder stuff yeah exactly right so uh you know so yeah okay so that makes a lot of sense then right uh and and you know drug any any drug is destructive and harmful and you know i mean and that goes from even you know the um society's uh societal accepted ones right sugar uh nicotine caffeine you know those kind of things those have harmful effects as well but uh it just seems that obviously the illegal ones the narcotics uh opioids have a lot severe more severe consequences right yeah. um, and so you were seeing those consequences right it, it, you saw them in your family yes you know so let me ask you this how was looking at those in your family who were addicted to drugs how was that not a deterrent for you it is a deterrent like- but it wasn't at a point right because when you were growing up you still did those things that they were that that you know that you could obviously okay, say. I misunderstood that. Yeah. The reason that it wasn't a deterrent is because the people that were using the drugs, yeah. they're using them with me, and it's not so much about the fact that they were using them with me, but I was not being properly educated on the fact of drugs. Mm. So now when my son is having discussions with me about why did you choose drugs over me, Dad, I tell him exactly how it made me feel. I told him exactly where it takes me in life. And I explain it in a way where he's going to understand because children's minds are like a sponge. They're going to soak up all this information. I didn't have a parent figure. I had parents, don't get me wrong, but I didn't have a parent figure or a family member or a friend that was telling me all the cons to the drugs that I was using. Yeah. If I would have known all of this a long time ago, I would have probably stayed away from most of them or all of them. So your family avoided the conversations? Yeah, it's just like in some houses they don't have the sex talk. Right. Yeah. So, so in my house they use drugs, but they didn't give me the drug talk. It was just don't do that. Well, that doesn't explain it. That makes me want to do it. Yeah. Right. 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 Because rebellious. Right. Yeah. Rebellion. Uh, okay. So so not only were people you know roping you in to their addiction, they were educating you on uh, on the reasons why you shouldn't do that. Yeah. So they were kind of avoiding the topic, right? Uh, and um, justifying their own addiction uh, by welcoming you into that lifestyle. And I also think that a lot of people, they just think that you're going to understand something. And unless you explain something to somebody, they're not going to understand. They're not going to know your thinking behind something or the reasoning behind a situation. you got to explain to people about stuff. And as being being a kid, a teenager, nobody explained nothing to me. Yeah, okay. And so you 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 said um, you said that your your son uh, asks you uh, why did you choose choose drugs over me? Talk about the first time that you heard that. How, what was going through your head when you first heard those words? Well, the way that that came about was me talking to him about drugs myself because I wanted him to have an understanding of it so he didn't grow up like me. Did you tell him that he chose that you chose him over drugs? I chose drugs over him. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, my fault. I chose. I told him. Now that I'm clean, and he even knows it from before, because years ago, 
I would give him hugs right before I'm about to go back to jail or something. I'd know I have a warrant out. I'd give him a hug and I'd tell him, I'm sorry, Bobby. Uh, I chose drugs over you and I'd be crying and I'd be hugging him. And mm. I just didn't know how to explain to him that the drugs were taking me away from him. It wasn't myself. I love him. But when I'm in addiction, I love the drugs more than I love anybody else. Okay, so so I, I want to harp on this a little bit. I want to I want to push you on this a little bit in a good way. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, a person who's not involved in drugs hears that statement and just does not understand it. You know, why would you choose anything over your own children, right? Talk about why you felt that you had no choice. Why was your addiction the most important thing to you? Just over a long time period of my life, I created this habit. And everybody knows that habits are really hard to break. Yeah. It's like a compulsion. Like, I was being very compulsive or impulsive, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I was being very impulsive in all my actions. So, with my drug addiction, I had made it a habit. And now when I got out of jail or whatever I was doing, I was putting the drugs over everything else because I'd already made it an impulse in my life. That's a hard thing to break. Okay, right, that that's fair. That's fair. I mean, did you want to stop being um, addicted to drugs? Yeah. So, so, so you would say then that your that just because it was a habit, it was hard to break. Was there any more to that than? I mean, because obviously, if you want to stop something, you have the ability to stop it. So, was it more than just a habit? The uh, the idea that it was a habit that caused you just that. Didn't cause you to stop? For the majority of my, from the time I was like age 10 to last year when I came to Trinity, I had never, ever been sober in my life besides when I'd been to jail because I always got high in prison too. And sometimes I even got high in jail, but it was, you know, I had these short moments in my life where I was sober and I always felt like I hated my life. And now I've come to grips with reality and I've realized that I actually love life feeling the way that I feel now alive mm. instead of dead every time before I was just dead to the world there was no me in there so let's talk about the wake up call right because everything kind of led to you coming to Trinity right yes. uh, now you have been sober now for a year almost right December 14th will be a year yeah congratulations by the way um, what what happened in your life then that caused uh, that caused you man, to say, man, I, I got to get my life right. So God uses unique situations in my life to speak to me. Amen. Yep. And so all these times I'd go to jail, I'd always turn to God. I'd pray every single night, but I would never live it out. I would talk it out with myself in my head. I wouldn't talk about it with others because I was kind of embarrassed. But so I would do this, and then as soon as I got out of jail, grab my Bible, I'll put it up on that shelf and be like, thank you God, you helped me down while I was in there it made me feel better. Yeah. So I'd get back on the streets and here it is August 1st at midnight, 2019, I got out of Clinton County Jail and the first thing that I did was I went straight for that cigarette. That was an impulsive thing to do. Right. And uh, so I'm smoking that cigarette and then, you know, that's on a Friday so I'm, get, I'm going to work on a Monday already. I already had a job at a grain bin as yeah. soon as I get there, man, I ran into some family members that work there too, and uh, I started getting high. I started shooting up again and using drugs. And was it the family members that got you back into it? No, it was myself. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. Uh, so, did your is that where you accessed the uh, the drugs was from your family members? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and you know, they're lost in addiction too, and so over a period of time, I was only out for three months exactly before I got arrested in Kokomo. Okay. And during that three month span, man, all I did was sell drugs, rip people off, and run from the cops. I was completely lost out there. And I did not care about nobody besides Blake and his wants. Yeah. I almost didn't really care about Blake. Yeah. I just cared about the drugs. So I had an apartment with a buddy and this girl that I was dating. And uh, I went to Indianapolis that night. I got a bunch of heroin. And I came back. And uh, I overdosed. I woke up from that overdose and my legs were felt like sandbags. I thought they was just asleep though. And that's what... Being in the midst of addiction is like you will have a big major problem, but you're going to make it a minuscule thing in your own mind so that way you can just keep trying to get high. Yeah. So I woke up from this overdose, didn't realize I'd overdosed, and I don't know how I was alive. The only way I can explain it is God kept me alive because they said rigor mortis had set into my legs. Oh, wow. Myelosis. Yeah. From laying on the ground blue for so long. So I woke up from that, and uh, I talked the people that I was living with into giving me my heroin out of my pocket and making me a shot and that's what killed me again so then I woke up in the hallway apartment with all these people surrounding me and I'm pulling this tube out of my nose and I got took into the trauma center in Indianapolis they had to take me down there in an ambulance because Frankfurt couldn't do nothing for me and uh, when I was there this lady came in to talk to me about heroin addiction and here I am paralyzed. I'm mad at the world. I just want to get high. I really don't want this lady in my room. Mm. She's talking about how her and her daughter used to do whatever they had to do to get high on heroin. Her daughter died of a heroin overdose. Oh. So she changed her life to live for not only for her, for Jesus, but also to live for her daughter. Yeah. And uh, to tell people about her testimony. And she'd been clean for like eight years now. And she's talking to me and I'm thinking in my head like, Get a grip, ladies. Get out of my room. I don't care about you and your daughter. And that's pretty dark. Yeah. To think that about somebody, about her and her daughter, when she changed her life. I don't know. The whole situation was just dark for me to even think like that. Right. So I'm fighting with these nurses. Five days later, I can finally take a couple steps. I'm doing everything I can just to take a couple steps because I want to sign myself out of that hospital. I want to go get high. I don't care about nobody else. I don't care about myself. I'm just ready to get high. Yeah. And, uh, so I signed myself out, and I treated my family like crap, even some of my good friends that were supporting me that didn't do drugs. And uh, So at, at any point, did the severity of what, what, what had happened to you, uh, you know, died twice, uh, you know, and, and brought to a hospital, no feeling in your legs, you had to learn how to walk again, you know, did none of that impact you mentally no i was ready to be dead yeah i was ready to just be gone so so addiction was was the then drive to get high again was it your um your motivation to just end it all yeah because i was tired of wanting to get high again yeah and i felt like it was never ending yeah. And all these situations kind of get tied up with what happened in Kokomo. Because within a 30-day time span, less than 30 days actually, I ended up in Kokomo. I already overdosed a couple more times. My legs are all purple. Wow. I'm 
can barely walk, but I'm doing it to get high. I'm still selling drugs, doing everything I can to get high, man. And I ended up going to jail in Kokomo. Somehow I got lucky and dodged a couple bullets on the, the charges because mm-hmm. there was stuff there that we should have gotten in trouble for that just left alone. And because uh, God had a perfect timing for me. He knew exactly what he wanted me to do in my life. And it's still hard for me to figure it out, but I'm trying to get to that point to where, okay, I know how to take the next step because God showed me. Yeah. So in jail, I wrote a letter to Trinity. I knew this is where I wanted to go. How did you hear about this place? Through uh, Keegan and Jordan Walker, they're graduates of Trinity. And uh, in the midst of my addiction out there, even though I was limping around the streets, I ran into Jordan. I gave him my phone number. And him and Keegan had called me about Trinity. And then my other cousin, Brandon Laux, had also been here. And I remember talking to him about it in jail in 2019. Okay. So I wrote the letter to Trinity. And then I wrote a letter to my mom. And I told her, when I get out of jail, I'm going to Trinity, Mom. Don't give up on me, please. So I sent that out. And next thing I know is a couple days later, I'm getting a letter back from Trinity because I sent it to this address and not the one in Lafayette, their office. Yeah. So it got redirected back to me. Okay. And they never even had my letter. I got it up there in my room right now. Okay. And uh, I just had, I had this dream about like getting out of jail and stuff. And I woke up, ate my lunch. I told my roommate that. And then I, I went to, I fell asleep. And I woke up to them saying my name. I went to court that day and they let me out. Wow. Well, when they let me out, I still had a bunch of meth on me. So I'm walking down the Whoa, street. How did you have meth on you? It was in my clothes and they never found it. They never searched your clothes for the no, meth? They searched it. But me being a tweaker, yeah. I had holes in the seams of my clothes to hide it in. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And I learned that in prison. Uh, yeah, I didn't so know that was a thing. All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Continue. You got out. You had meth in your... In your... So I'm thinking about... Trinity, I'm thinking about Jesus, and I'm thinking about these drugs in my pocket. I'm like, man, I got to hurry up, get to the rallies, go to the bathroom, get high. But I'm also thinking about Jesus. I'm walking down this street in Kokomo, Sycamore, and it's like a highway, man. There's this lady across the street, and she's locked eyes with me. I'm like thinking in my head, like, what's wrong with this lady? And she walks across the highway. I don't even know if she looked both ways, but I want to say that she didn't. Just because how determined she was sure. to get to me. It makes a better story if she didn't, right? <laughs> well, that's what I picture, picture it as when I review it in my head. Yeah, yeah. So we crossed paths, and she said, what's up? So I turned around, I'm like, what's up? And she was like, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. Well, I turned around, I walked like five steps, and I remember turning back around to go tell her that Jesus loved her too. And she was gone. Hmm. Completely disappeared, don't know where she went. There's nowhere she could have went, but she's just gone. And I didn't think nothing more about it. I just kept walking. Didn't think that that was an angel from God, nothing. And, you know, I'm still focused on these drugs. And I remember telling myself in my head, I was like, this is not what Jesus would want. But he knows I'm going to get high. And that's exactly what I did. And then the next situation is even more unique. So... I can review these facts later on and I can realize that God was there the whole time. Yeah. And uh, so I get home to my mom's finally. This is hours later. I think maybe even a whole day later. I don't know. And uh, when I get there, I put the application in for Trinity. And I called to check in on it on a Friday. I remember that. 
And uh, when I talked to Brandon, he told me to come back in March. They didn't have no beds open, none available. And I told him, well, if I can make it to March, I'll be there. At this point, I was already thinking an overdose was inevitable. Yeah. And uh, I remember I prayed to God, and I do remember cussing him out and being like, why did you put this on my heart? And I'm yeah. calling him all types of names, and I get done with the prayer, and you know, I'm, I told him to please give me a chance to live my life before I died. That's what I had prayed also. Yeah. And uh, to go back to the jail thing, I also called out on the Lord to save me in there too. And Acts 2.21 says that those that call out on the name of the Lord, he saves them. Mm-hmm. Well, now I had done that twice. I walked inside, and uh, my mom told me not to give up, to keep looking up at the rehabs. Well, I didn't know that this wasn't a rehab. It was a life transformation program. That's what makes it unique. Right. Right. And, uh, I check into these other rehabs, man. A lot of them just give out some boxing. There was no Jesus in them. And uh, I couldn't find one that was perfect, man. I'm getting frustrated. My mom's telling me to call probation for my drug test line. And uh, I told my mom, I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm ready to give up. I'm just going to go back to selling drugs and getting high. I can't do this. Yeah. What was I ever thinking? Yeah. And uh, she's about to start screaming at me. And if you know my mom, she is she's crazy. <laughs> so she's about to yell at me and uh she starts getting a phone call this is this is how awesome god is he stopped my mom from yelling at me with this phone call and my mom is trying to answer it she can't go to voicemail but it was abby fairfield calling my mom's phone back to tell me to call back this is 45 minutes after getting who is abby fairfield for those who don't mitch know mitch fairfield's wife oh. mitch is one of the Life coaches at Trinity. There it is. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah. So. Wonderful couple, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Love them to death. And uh, they're in my testimony. Awesome. So I go out to the car because bad reception in the house. I call Abby back and she tells me, and I'll never forget these words. This is 45 minutes after getting night. She said, pack your bags and be at Trinity Monday, 9 a.m. This is three days away. Yeah. And I had, I still had this methamphetamines on me and my family didn't even know about it. Hmm. I'm still getting high at their house. They just didn't know. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I remember going to a concert on Saturday night and finally coming out with it to my to my mom's boyfriend. I told him that I had methamphetamines on me. I told him I felt guilty for having it. I told him that I was not strong enough to get it out of my possession. I told him I just couldn't do it. I needed help. And I remember he told me to open the bag and dump it out the window because we was driving down the country road. He said, when you get done doing that, you just let that bag go. And uh, I know the Holy Spirit had to have taken over me because me being a drug addict, this is someone coming from someone that died from an overdose and is convincing themselves that their legs are not dead. Right. So that way they can get high again. Right. So the Holy Spirit had to have taken over me because I opened up that bag when I rolled the window down. I dumped it out. And I dropped the bag, and I haven't looked back since. That's amazing. That's amazing, dude. And I'm so, yeah, I'm so excited. You know that you know for for some for a lot of people, God has to intervene. Uh, you know, and, and it's like it's like exactly like you said. You called out to God, and, and He delivered you, right? Which which is you know the example of the Old Testament, time and time and time again. You know, Israel gets themselves in trouble. They cry out to God. God delivers. Israel gets in trouble. They cry out to God. God delivers, right? Uh, and, and, and yet at a certain point, and this is where you got, at a certain point, uh, you know, uh, God says, 
that uh, you know there has to be a time of reckoning and repentance and coming coming back into uh, you know back into the faith so that you don't so that you don't continue to do this anymore. Like Paul says in Romans chapter six, shall I sin more so that grace may increase? Of course not, because I have been brought to death in Christ and brought back to life in Christ, right? And so here you are, you have a story of Israel, right? You're, you're, you're dying, you're, uh, you're, you're caught in sin, you cry out to God, he comes and delivers you, not once, not twice, but three different times, right? Yeah. And, and God has delivered you time and time again. It goes back to that whole verse. I think it's in Ephesians where it says that God is always faithful because he cannot deny himself, right? God will always be faithful to us. And so I love that part of your story, man, because it's, I mean, it, it matches straight up with the character of God to never give up on us, even when we give up on ourselves, Yeah. right? Um, so you, so you, you get into, you get into Trinity and tell me about the experience here over the last, over the last year. This isn't a, this isn't a, a promotional thing about Trinity, but this is a big part of your life, yeah. right? So tell me, tell me, uh, you know, what was this last year like for you? What were the ups? What were the downs, you know, for you personally? Well, my whole entire life I've spent it. Never paying bills legally, never taking care of myself really, living life in prison. So all of this stuff that comes with Trinity is new to me. So these are a lot of areas in my life where I'm growing. Yeah. And uh, this has been, honestly, the hardest year of my life. Okay. Worse than drug addiction because I'm learning new things. Mm. Drug addiction, I knew it easily. Yeah. From years of knowing it. Yeah. And uh, that's where I was comfortable at. So coming to Trinity was the most uncomfortable time ever. And even acknowledge God to a lot of people is still embarrassing for me. Yeah. Now I'm not embarrassed of it at all because I know he's real. I know he's true. And it took me months of praying when I first got here to finally get these, uh, what's that word that I'm looking for? Where you, you're not necessarily believing it and you're trying to get there. Trying to get my unbelief, basically, yeah, in a roundabout way, yeah, taken away from me because I had so much unbelief. I couldn't believe that that lady sent to me was an angel, even though God was trying to show me that, hey, I know what you're thinking about, and I'm right here, and I love you. Yeah. And so, I, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I was just, I was gonna say, there's several situations where I just could not believe that God was real. He uses these unique ways to communicate. Yeah. To us through the world mm -hmm. in situations, circumstances, prayer, yep. uh, guidance from other believers, just everything. He uses all types of different situations to, to talk to you, and I just could not believe that he was really talking to me yet. So what, what prevented you from just giving up and walking out the door this last year? I can tell you it ain't me. Yeah. So the same situation where... God put the Holy Spirit on me yep. to throw the drugs out the window. He's got to have the Holy Spirit on me to be here because there's no way in my old self that I would have stuck around. Okay. So did you ever have those moments um, where, you said, where you said to yourself, man, it just would be easier if I were just to get high? Oh, yeah. Every day. What, what 
I mean, how, what would God say to you in response then that would keep you, what, that would keep you here? I mean, the biggest one was is he would tell me how easy it is to live my life this way. Whereas when I was living it the other way, it was so much more harder. I was making it harder on myself. Yeah. Yeah. This one might not be the most fun. I might not get a huge adrenaline rush or a euphoria from it. But it is a whole lot healthier for me. It's a lot better. Yeah, yeah. So you're 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 weighing out the the differences, the goods and the bads, and of course, Christ is always going to win, right? Yeah. Um. And the reason I ask this is because I, you know, uh, not in my addiction, but in my my depression, in my PTSD, uh, I I I often think, man, it just would have been better if I never would have found out I had PTSD. You know, because, you know, now that I know this, now that it's exposed in my life, there's a lot of crap coming to the surface. There's a lot of things I have to deal with. And I know that that's true in addiction. Because when you're, when you drop the addiction, those things that you are covering up because of the addiction start coming up, right? And you start, you start having to learn how to deal with uh, family relationships. You have to start learning how to deal with those things uh, about you that you never liked that that you have to come to terms with, right? And so it just weighs on you every day. And but what what we know to be true because of Christ yeah. is that that uh, uh, a life with Christ may be quote unquote more difficult, but it's way more worth it. It has has a lot of worth for it. Uh, the benefits far outweigh. Any consequences because there are no negative consequences with Christ. At least, no, uh, not that we uh, uh, don't see, right? Because I'm sure in our own mind we can think of negatives, quote unquote, yeah. uh, why we're not with, you know, to, to go back to where we were. But they're not really negatives, right? So, so, so Christ keeps you coming, right? Holy Spirit has got you, right? Um, what are you? What are you hoping for? Uh, you know, moving into this next area of life, gra- you know, post graduation. Well, at Trinity, they kind of, and it's a good thing because if not, I would have probably not done a lot of the stuff that I've done. But they kind of usher you into doing it. Okay. It's it's mandatory. Yeah. So that right there kind of gives you some area to where you learn how to be obedient. To them and God. Okay. Now I need to learn how to be more obedient on my own to just God. Yeah. And not have to rely on someone else to be like, hey, when you go to church. Yeah. When you go to Bible study. Yeah. Or, or whatever it is, I need to learn the responsibilities myself. So this next step in my life, I want to be able to go out there and just know that I can do it on my own with God instead of needing someone else to tell me. How to do it with God? You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me push back a little bit uh, because uh, you know I believe that faith is not an island, right? Um, and 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 I I honestly believe that no one could do this on their own. That it takes community, it takes friends, it takes family, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I hear somebody say, "Man, I just got I got to do this," you don't have to do this on your own. You have people who want to lift you up and encourage you. I think, Blake, um, and, and, and if this is too far, please let me know. I think you, you've only had to rely on yourself so long 
that you forget what it's like to lean on somebody or you've never experienced it before. And, and you know, Trinity has given you that back. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to give that up when you leave. Well, what I just meant was that not to do it on my own per se, but let me let me kind of reword it a little bit, is to know that I can reach out to other believers. I can drive myself to church. Yeah. I don't have to rely on somebody to tell me what to do. I just do it, and I'm more responsible in doing it and building that community with you yeah. guys and being involved. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I want to make sure that even our listeners who hear this understand that you don't have to do this on your own, even after even after rehab. You know, you or uh, you know, for lack of a better term, rehab. Right. Yeah. Uh, That you don't have to do this. uh, You know, you don't have to depend on your own willpower. uh, You know, because one, you have God, right, and you know that because you've already said the Holy Spirit's what's driving you forward. But the Holy Spirit that exists, you know, exists through all people who are Christian. You know, um, the same Spirit, as Paul says, the same Spirit is is within all of us, and so we are unified under that Spirit to do life together. Yeah. Uh, and if there's one thing that I think every addict should learn, it's that uh, you have to rely on your community. You have to you have to lean on your tribe. You know, and you have to find who that tribe is. You know, and that's true for addiction. Mental health, physical health, emotional health, whatever. Well, it does say in Galatians 6 that we are to carry one another's burdens. Mm. Yeah. So, with that being said, if you have the love of Christ in your heart, it's it's the godly thing to do is to go out there and to carry another, another one's burdens with you. And, uh, you know, my mentor's wife kind of really explained that better for me than I could ever do. But Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me now... Um, about uh, as we kind of wrap up, let's say that somebody was in front of you right now who was struggling with addiction, all right, and they're coming to you for advice. What what what's the number one thing you want to tell them? Whatever you're trying to talk yourself out of is what you need to talk yourself into. Because I tried to talk myself out of Trinity a million times. Mm. But it's the one thing I need to be talking myself into. I tried talking myself out of CTP a million times. And I need to talk myself into it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're trying to talk yourself out of something in life, if it's something that's good for you, you need to be talking yourself into doing it. Yeah, I love that clarification too. Because, you know, somebody could be trying to talk themselves out of drugs. You know, and, and they need to. But... Uh, for an addict, uh, usually it's uh, the good things that we talk ourselves out of. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I don't need to to I don't need to get help. I don't need to um, ask my parents or my siblings or the people that love me to help me get out of this. You know, uh, and we need to. I think you're exactly right. You know, if if you think you're not good enough for it, <laughs> you need to you need to tell yourself you are. Right. I actually learned that from uh, one of the other believers here in the house. His name is Troy Clements. Yeah, I love Troy. Good Man, guy. That dude right there, he can talk to you, and when he talks to you, you listen. And when yeah. you listen, you learn something. Yeah. And that's exactly what I get from Troy every single time that I talk to him is I learn something new. I, 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 one thing I love about uh, Trinity and, and the program that they have here is, is that these guys look out for one another. You know, and, and, and they have no worry to 
um, to minister to the other person, to build each other up, as you said, right? We got to build each other up, encourage one another, spur each other on to good works, as Hebrews tells us, right? Uh, and, and I think that's just, that's probably for me the top thing I love about Trinity outside of the fact that they, it's Christ-centered. Uh, these guys minister to one another, and that is the true true case for you. Uh, Troy has done it for you, and I'm sure you've done it for other people. You know, one of the main things I learned when I first got here was about confrontation. I learned that when I got here that I was scared of confrontation. I was scared to confront my drug addiction. I was scared of confronting my anger. I was scared of confronting all of these things. Yeah. And one thing that I'm... I've been learning the whole time is that not to be scared of confrontation. Mm. Is that you need to you need to confront these things. You just have to do it in a godly way. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think that is so wise, man. Because um, you know we we build walls up because we don't want to deal with our emotions. We don't want to deal with. Uh, the crap going on inside of us because that's why we do that's why we do drugs in the first place yeah right so we can so we can cover it up but it's healthy it's healthy for us to deal with these things and and this is this is what you know this is where faith is going to get real for uh, for you and for others is when um, you know your relationship with Christ as it deepens and as it matures God is going to bring those things to the forefront not to not to discourage you, but to say, okay, now it's time to deal with it. You know, what a large part of my of my story was uh, I I moved from addiction to drugs to addiction to Christ, and I needed that. I you know for a time, uh, but uh, there was uh, you know there was a period after you know after I was a Christian for about uh, probably eight years or so where uh, you know. I realized that I had to treat Christ more than an addiction. I had to, I had to enter into a deeper relationship, and that's when He started bringing the stuff to the forefront of my life that I had to start dealing with. And I'm talking relationships. I'm talking about self care. I'm talking about everything. Um, and, and and you know that's that's where the rubber hits the road for most Christians. That's the choice we have to make: is are we going to go? Are we going to get introduced to these things? And are we going to revert back and say, no, I, I can't? Or are we going to dive forward and, and confront? Yeah. Right? Uh, and that's exactly what we need to do. We need to confront with Christ on his terms. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, any, anything else you want to you wanna throw out there before we wrap up? No, that's all good. Man, I appreciate you being here. Blake, I am looking forward to you, uh, you know, to you moving in and to us having a stronger relationship and just seeing what God does through the CTP house. And man, I, I tell you, uh, I am excited. I am excited for what God is doing in your life, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for no, having me. And my pleasure, man. Hey, if you want to learn uh, more about CTP, of course, you can go to our website, communitytransformationpartners.org. Send me an email if you want to if you want to ask any questions or have any comments, Larry at communitytransformationpartners.org. And as always, uh, Coffee and Conversation is uh, brought to you and supported by you. Um, so if you would like to uh, learn more about donating and how you can do that, you can go to our website, communitytransformationpartners.org forward slash donate to learn more. Guys, we will see you next week. And as always, peace.
peace, love, and soul.